Hey, fellow tennis nerds. Today I have an uh, honorable guest here, Nevan Specht. That's the, how you pronounce it, I hope. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the correct way. Very good. Uh, from Diadem, a brand you might have heard of. Like they are making the waves, actually. They've, they've been around since uh, was 2015, or am I off there? Yeah, yeah. No, we launched in the beginning of 2015. Yep. Very cool. And yeah, and I've, I've tried all of their rackets pretty much um at least the, both the nova and the dia elevate which is the version three that i'm testing right now in its uh, very nicely blue cosmetic uh, yeah. so uh, it's always nice to highlight uh, brands that are up and coming and, and now you're also in pickleball i guess which is the fastest yeah. growing sport in the states right yeah yeah we're, we're pretty strong in pickleball in the u.s and we're trying to you know grow that internationally as well as the sports kind of taking off in the u.s but abroad as well do you see a difference there in like how you approach rackets and gear like it's, yeah. it's a new thing for you i guess right yeah i mean it's been it's been fun it's been exciting but it's definitely different i mean the biggest benefit that we have with pickleball at least initially um is there's no brand loyalty there's nobody that's saying I need to be with Wilson because I've been with Wilson since I was two and now I'm 42, right? It's just starting most of our customers. It's the first paddle. It's the first experience. Um, and now a year and a half in, we kind of are that legacy brand. We're one of the top brands. So there's people that are actually having brand loyalty to us. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's a lot easier to, to get a new customer. Uh, in tennis, you know, you're fighting the historic titans of the sport, whether the racket's best for the person or not, they're using it because their coach told them to, or their dad used it, or they used it when they were a kid. So, yeah. How difficult is it to battle against brand loyalty? Because I mean, most smaller brands I talk to, it's this kind of tennis is kind of an old sport. So it's been around for a long time and there's a lot of tradition and that's not always connected to like whether it's quality or or just a new innovation thinking something yeah. new it's just people stick to what they they know uh pretty much and tennis stays the same way uh, is that a struggle for a for an upcoming brand uh, well absolutely it is uh but it's it's a challenge and a fun challenge for us i mean we're all tennis players former you know mid-level low-level pro whatever you want to call it, future level challengers um we love to compete. And so when we transition into the business side of tennis from the coaching and playing, it's just a competition for us. And I mean, when I call or speak to someone for the first time and trying to convince them to give it a try, it's like, it's almost like I'm playing a match of tennis against them. And they're, you know, what they want is to say no to me. And what I want is them to get them to say yes. And uh, so it's always, for me, it's fun. I think in the end, we're doing a pretty good job. We're getting more and more people introduced to Diadem. Um, but it's it's a challenge, and sometimes we have to just let some of them go. I mean, when I've talked to teaching pros at a club that have been on a advisory staff for another brand for 37 years, when I hear that, I go, okay, well, you're probably not even going to entertain a conversation. Um, but there's a lot of you know, the young teaching pros, the young director, the new director that's 25 and got his first gig and he wants to kind of make a splash in his uh, in his job and his role with all these these customers. When they get a diadem racket in a customer's hands that obviously have never heard of the racket probably or the strings and they look at it and go, wow, this is really good. Like now you're telling me something that I didn't know. I'm learning something new from this coach, not only how to hit a forehand better, but you know, maybe my equipment is outdated. Maybe I shouldn't be using the racket that I've been using for 17 years. Um, and so we've, we've done a good job both with the marketing and the sales, I think. Um, 
in kind of establishing this is the fun, new, exciting, tech-driven brand. And so when you're tired of the old legacy brands and you want to try something new and exciting, let's let's try us instead of the new racket from them, which is basically the same as the racket before that. Yeah, I think there's what I noticed like from my end is that there's more of an openness towards new brands. I think in all industries, because there's you know, more information out there online. Now you can easily access stuff. You, people are used to ordering online as well. So that kind of yep. established, um, it's easier to to challenge the establishment a little bit than before. That's just my feeling about it. 100%. Yeah, and we, we've seen reviews are, are important. People love to to see what somebody else said, whether it's um, just a reviewer, like even even you and what you're doing. People love to, to hear from somebody who's tried 100 rackets instead of maybe listening to the pro who's getting paid a million dollars to tell you that this racket is good. I think people are starting to understand, Hey, you know, why am I, why am I just, I mean, I love my favorite player. I love Roger Federer. I personally bought Roger Federer's Wilson, you know, racket when he made the signature racket and it switched to all, I mean, I bought that, like it was the coolest thing to me. Um, but that racket wasn't for me. I I was, I, I couldn't, I mean, and I played at a high level and I was like, I'm not using this racket. So Um, I think people trust reviewers, people trust their coaches. We have a lot of great relationship with coaches. If my coach tells me this racket is good for my game, I trust that more than, okay, Kyrgios broke this racket and it was really cool. I'm going to buy that racket also. I think people are getting away from that. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's really true. I think people want like as much of an unbiased view they can. Like, I mean, because they understand that players are sponsored you know, some like retail sellers, they won't give you an unbiased opinion because they want to sell rackets. So you you want to get something where it's at least somewhat of an unbiased opinion as far as you can get it, you know? So I think that's yep. that's becoming important. I see that you also have review, for example, on your website. And I do notice like the pickleball bats, insane amount of reviews, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. just insane. Well, that's, that's very consumer driven. Um, the pickleball paddles are, you know, they, they don't have... The, I mean, there are pros, you, you know, people, we, we sponsor a couple pros and, and they're just not like, they're not like historically, like in awe of these, you know, Roger Federer 20 years is the top of the game and whatever he does, you're listening the, you know, some of the top players in pickleball, they started six weeks ago, you know, so um, they're looking for reviews. It's a lot of Facebook. I mean, Facebook is, I mean, the forums for pickleball on Facebook is like, there's tens of thousands of people that are actively discussing products, game style choices, things like that. Whereas tennis, it's a country club sport in a lot of respects. And you're, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of social only because after you play a little tennis, you hang out with some friends, whereas pickleball is very social. People are playing hours and hours. They're basing their life around it. Um, even at a later, later age or retirements or just, you know, everyday work, you know, whereas tennis, you're starting at a very young age. And you're kind of just on this path and you're not really listening to anyone else around you. You're, you're just kind of stuck in your own way. Yeah, tennis seems to be like when you analyze them from and you look at also like the growth of pickleball. I played some pickleball myself. I played puddle, which is the, you know, kind yep. of counterpart in Europe that's growing like grace as well. And there's a more social aspect. It's uh, easier to get into. Uh, my heart is still with tennis. Like uh, that's that's where, you know, I, I feel like I belong. Uh, I yeah. do enjoy other sports and I don't want to like give them shit to whatever, because I think mm-hmm. it's it's better that people move than they do nothing at all. But I yeah. think there's something for us tennis industry people or players or, you know, clubs to learn 
from kind of lowering the bar a bit because tennis feels like such a solitary thing and it's a bit elitist in a way, which I think is a slight problem. Yeah, yeah, that's the country club kind of reference. But I, yeah, I also yeah. think that the difference too is in pickleball, it, it you know, and I don't know, I, I don't know about paddle. I don't know how the purchases of paddles are in, in paddle or padel, but in pickleball, like you open up someone's bag, they have five different paddles. Oh, wow. You open up a, te a tennis player's bag, of course, they might have five rackets, but they're all the same. And they might even be matched to the exact spec because you're not messing around with that. It's just it, it's it's too small of, of differences that that could maybe affect you hitting that ball in or out. Whereas as pickleball, you know, it's so young in the sport. I don't think people really know what even is best for them at yet you know so they have a paddle for speed a paddle for for control and and they'll constantly mix it up and try something new it's hard to get that's the other difficulty in in tennis is it's hard to get someone to change from what they're using because they've kind of designed their game around that racket yeah. and equipment and string i think whereas in pickleball they're always looking for the next thing because it's it's changing so rap so rapidly that you know the next thing could you know, change the way they play for the better. Whereas in tennis, you're kind of like, I'm sticking with what I'm doing. I don't want to change. Yeah, especially I think strong players in tennis are quite um, yeah. brand loyal. Like, I mean, the Absolutely. the followership I have and and the guys that call themselves tennis nerds, I mean, they love testing different rackets. It's like a whole thing. So they probably come to the, you know, tennis session with five, six different rackets just because that's a part of their passion. Like the, the feeling sure. of the different... But, you know, my usual recommendation is not to do that because obviously mm -hmm. in tennis, you're playing with centimeters. And if you're, yep. if you're feeling off and you're playing around, I mean, you're giving yourself a harder time. You, you can't feel the ball as well. Like the muscle memory, everything does feels a little bit off, you know, when you move the around. The swing is like too, yeah, you have to perfect your swing, you know. And if you're having influences like different weights you know i mean we have you know to talk a little bit about what we have here i mean we have a whole customization center with uh 3d you know renderings you you put on nodes and you can see yourself in 3d um and and we can you know one of the first things we do when we get a junior player in is we bring out their three wilson's three own x's and we'll we'll do the swing weight analysis you know weight balance we'll see and we'll show them you know how far off each of those rackets are. And then we ask them in front of their parents, you know, which one's your favorite? And they know this, it's all three of the same rackets. Well, this one's my favorite. I, I, I play better with this. And then you look and you find what those specs are and notice they're a little bit off. And then, you know, that's just one thing for them to think about is like, I wake up, train 6 a.m., eating the right stuff, got a fitness coach, but I have three rackets with specs all over the place and I want to be great. It's like, we teach them kind of, you know, let's take care of our equipment as much as we take care of the body, as take care of our training, take care of all, all the things that that matter. And the equipment is one of them. And it's really important in tennis. Yeah, I think I the understanding, I mean, it's getting there, I think, but it's, it's taken a while to, to say the least for such a, a sport that is like the racket is an extension of your arm. So if if yeah. you don't feel the racket, if you don't feel like the string bed and where you hit the ball and the strings, it's impossible to play good tennis. Like that connection needs to be there, you know? And I think when people realize also with the quality control that you might have like a balance that's head heavy on one racket, slightly head light on the other one, or, or there are seven, eight grams off. And that's a problem. Like people started to realize like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm having three different rackets, although they look the same. And I think right. that's a good point. And, and getting that understanding I think will help players uh, in the future a bit more. And maybe that's also like a feeling I have sometimes is that 
we might lose players in tennis that are new because partly it's a very difficult sport to play. Like you yeah. need the, the younger you are when you start, the better. But even if you're new to tennis, you might get you know tennis elbow. The equipment is like a jungle, so you don't know like what string should I put, like what, uh, how long should the string stay in the racket? Should I play poly, multi? There are four million different rackets to choose from, so that becomes like a a stumbling block early on. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, a, a challenge as well as you know everyone has their own answer to those questions too. You know, you talk to one coach or you talk to one stringer, they they might tell you something something different. So um, it's you really need the right direction if you want to f- get a player to start young and have them enjoy it and go to a high level and play for the rest of their life. You you know at this point you really need to have some real good guidance. Um, otherwise. There's a lot of options, like you've noticed some of the sports you mentioned that, hey, maybe it's just easier for them to just go do this. What we find in the U.S., though, is pickleball is kind of a, a rising tide that's rising all the ships. Pickleball is helping tennis in many ways. Um, I think clubs are being kind of re-energized. Maybe they take away two courts that they weren't using for tennis, or we've seen like they had like a, a basketball court or an, a, an ice, not an ice rink, but a, a roller rink, um, roller hockey, like outdoor roller, and they changed that into pickleball. And uh, now there's more people in the club and it's like, well, maybe I'll put my kid in tennis in the morning and I'll play pickleball, you know? And so um, it, it's definitely re-energizing, I think, the the court sports community in the United States for sure. And COVID helped Pat actually as well. It's a a positive thing that COVID did for tennis was definitely got more people playing tennis. Yeah, yeah, the distancing and the, that thing I think really helped. And I mean, now we have the the Netflix show. Hopefully, that will maybe create. I mean, I'm seeing it more as a kind of an injection for people outside tennis who are maybe curious about tennis. Like, I mean, I, if you've been around the tour, you know, worked, been at tournaments, and and you know, then you know a little bit what's going on behind the scenes. It's not as fascinating because you know a little bit. I mean, I would obviously watch yeah. it, but but for players. For example, like I, I dabble in golf. I can hit like some buckets on the range. I used to play when I was younger. They're going to do one for golf. And I think that seems a little bit more interesting for me personally, because then I'm like, you don't know. I'm yeah. getting a better understanding of a sport that I don't quite follow anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And I think um, uh, we've always wanted to create like a show. We saw one. I can't remember the name of it a long time ago. It was on like VHS where it was uh some guys just uh, journey. I think it was like the journeyman or something. I don't know. It was like yeah, couple guys that, playing yeah. like challengers or futures. And like the guy would get drunk after the match or, you know, I think he played Wimbledon and, you know, he made a ton of money. He's like playing challengers. And then he finally gets in main draw Wimbledon. So it's like he had made it because he made like 20 grand back then or whatever. That kind of stuff was always so interesting. The behind the scenes of, of a journeyman, you know, yeah. maybe not even like Roger Federer, but like a guy that's just trying to make it and kind of see what he has to go through because that really shows how difficult it is to become a pro tennis player and pro golf is probably very similar. Yeah, I think that's, that's true. And I, I think sometimes it's more fascinating to see the, the players that, I mean, like have in here in Spain, I have X number of friends that are either ex pros or, you know, struggling around six, 700 in the world, maybe, and it's not an easy life. Like you, you have to pay everything yourself pretty much. You have no real sponsors. It's, it's a rough life. And they hit like they're amazing athletes because there is no way of, of reaching five, 600 in the world if you're not an amazing athlete, but it's not an easy life. And I think that is more fascinating maybe to me at least than 
than seeing like um, Roger. I mean, Roger is Roger, but then other players mm-hmm. on the top, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. if they no, uh, exactly. I I, I think um, you know it's it's a it's a lesson for a lot of people to you know hopefully still make that decision to try to go pro in tennis because we need those we need that we need that tour but um you know i i i would like to see more of that and to give people the reality of what what it's like out there you know traveling week to week and you lose first round you're screwed kind of you know what are you going to do are you going to the next one are you staying at that one you know then you mix in the club matches in europe which is a great opportunity for a lot of players there to make some extra money i mean we had guys that were tanking matches because they had to go you know play club matches where they make a lot more money and you know so it was it, it's a it's quite a journey that's for sure you played on the tour yourself or like a college yeah tour. but i i just played a future level um mm. so you know just in the u.s mexico canada cuba i snuck into cuba and did that um that was fun my my partner that i started the company with aj bartlett he he was a little bit better challenger level future and challenger got into indian wells once um you know stuff wow. like that so um you know we we definitely are and then and then i coached i also coached player i coached a, a girl that was top 70 in in juniors and and won a, a pro event and and stuff so i mean we've been out on tour for quite a while we know the ins and outs So we always thought when starting the business, okay, we know tennis as a playing basically as well as anyone, but then we know coaching. And so we've coached, I coached, you know, kids their first time ever playing. I've coached, you know, retired ladies that are just looking to go from a two five to a three Um, So we've kind of been around the entire gamut. And so we felt that we had a good opportunity to introduce string. And then we went to, to rackets and accessories and then eventually balls where we're not just focusing on top pros, but we're also not just focusing on amateurs, but we kind of understand the entire market. And of course, our product line is is getting more and more diverse and it's reaching more and more of the consumers. I think probably if you're a, a, a very, very beginner and you're an adult, um, you know, we don't have the product for you. We don't have like a beginner's racket, like what you'd find at Walmart and aluminum, but full-size racket. Um, But if you're a junior, we do have that kind of transition rackets from the, the tiny 19 inch, 21, 23, up to the 25, 26, and then 27 inch, um, as well as the, the, the stage ball. So we, you know, for most people, I'd say 90% of tennis players, we have a product that, that can help your game. Um, and, you know, I don't know if we'll ever make complete commercial, you know, beginner frames. I just don't, that's not really our, our that's not who we are, but you never know as we continue to grow, if there's a need for it in with some of our partners, then we'll do it. Um, but I think overall our product is performance focused. Um, it's, you know, technology infused and, and it, and it has a purpose, each product. We think we don't just have a marketing story, but we have actual real technology that's, you know, geared for whatever it is that we're looking for in that racket. So in the new elevate V3, Obviously, it's a control frame. So, yeah. you know, the stuff that we put into that is geared towards a very, very high feel, a lot of comfort, a lot of control built into that into that racket. Whereas the power, you know, is 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 wanting in a way. You you got to be able to create your own power, and that's fine. That's what that racket's for. And the Nova is is for the power. So. It's kind of where I think I think that. those two categories are are the most logical ones as well. And yeah. if you can have like that good 
middle of the line racket that suits a lot of players looking for control. Like, I mean, the, you, the weight, I think is pretty much spot on the 305 grams. I like the 1620. I think that's a good balance. It's not 1820, not 1619. So you're kind of straddling the middle, which I think makes most sense, whether it's 1819 or 1620 doesn't really matter depending on the drill patterns and so on. But uh, you know, then you don't need like two models, for example, which, which is kind of confusing. I think that is yeah. unnessary for most consumers to have to figure out like, am I an 1820 or am I 1619? You know, I, I think it's a bit of a strange decision. Yeah, exactly. And um, Obviously, when we first launched the racket, you know, we were trying to keep the SKUs to a minimum because, you know, we're, we're a startup company and, and this and that. We are definitely adding to to the SKUs with the Nova next year. We will expand the line a little bit, but we're still going to have the one drill pattern. And with the Elevate, we have the Elevate Lite, the Elevate, and the Elevate Tour. We got three three models. Now, at the end of the day, if you're a, a, a high-level player or a tennis nerd, you're probably not going to take any racket and say, this is it. I'm done. I'm never, I'm never changing it. You're, you're going to tinker with it. And we encourage that. And that's what the customization center is for. And Dustin, our, our lead MRT, who, who strings at the U S open and the French open and works with a lot of pro players. Um, the idea is we can customize it and we can tweak the racket from those three models. Um, and, and probably get again, 90% of the consumer in a racket that they're going to absolutely love and it's going to benefit their game. And uh, the 1620 was definitely when we did it, there wasn't really any rackets um, with that string pattern, but we felt that the the, the holes, you know, I mean, I, I had here, I was looking at it, like we, we feel it's very even. So if you look at the squares between the crosses and the mains throughout the whole sweet spot and even beyond, they're very similar right so whether you're in the middle or a little bit off center they're they're the same and so we felt that that would give a a much more consistent feel than to have some closer in the middle and further on the edge or vice versa um and and i think that the people that use the racket agree with that that you're getting a very consistent feel even on slightly off center hits if you hit the frame obviously it's not going to play the same i think we all know that yeah yeah and and also that's what you want like you don't want I mean, it's funny with, with the sweet spot conversation is that if you have an enormous sweet spot, you always pay something, right? So you pay the price yeah. of control, right? People think, yeah, but if I have like a, you know, infinite sweet spot, I'm going to just be easier to play tennis. No, well, <laughs> depends because then you won't get the ball to go exactly where you want the ball to go. So that's yep. always the balance and there's no perfect racket. So I think that's where people struggle to realize they either have a very strong brand preference or they think that they can get everything in one racket. And you know, you, you have to like understand yourself as a player and say, hey, am I looking for control where the elevate comes in, for example, or am I a player who wants more help, forgiveness, power, a little bit bigger, you know, room for margin for error, then the Nova is is a great choice, I think. And I mean, both me and and the Henrik, my buddy who who's tested the, the new versions, I, I'm not sure the V3, but he, he really liked the Nova especially, I think. So yeah. Um, so that then you cover those two areas and then with some customization or just picking the right weight, you, you can be pretty well off, right? To, to just start. Playing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we feel that we can reach, um, like I said, a, a big majority of the market. I do feel like that, that arrow, that basically the frame shape and, and kind of what you get with that, where you do get control and power. Um, that's the most difficult racket for people to come into one of our rackets from, um, but spoiler alert, teaser is, you know, we are working on a, a third frame. It's it's probably going to be 2024. 
um, when we launch it. Um, but we, we kind of want to have that third model that's kind of in between. And with that, and we're, we're there, we got everything we need. So, um, but like I said, most people do feel comfortable in one of the frames because most players are going to say, I'm either a power player or I'm a control player. And that's where you'll go in one direction. Um, yeah. Our goal with either one, of course, is not to be too far on the, on the end of the spectrum. Like the Nova, like your, your friend likes, it, it's a very popular racket for us because although it has the power, um, it's not overpowering. You're not hitting the third shot in the fence, um, but it has all the power you need. And you notice it on your serve. You know, I mean, the difference between the Elevate and the Nova on the serve is that's where you can really tell where you're getting the extra pop. Um, but but it's still a very comfortable racket. Um, and that's in part because of the technology of the FS system where we have a ribs throughout the entire frame um, as well as two types of foam. Um, we feel that that does, and we've we've, proven it with with a lot of feedback from players that that does really help dampen the vibration make it a little bit smoother make it a little more um control even though it's a power controlled even though it's a power frame um and and with the new v3 we still have that technology in there we just added craven which is uh which is a, a very special rubber and and that's what the the technology really focuses on with the v3 yeah, yeah, and you feel it. Like, I mean, I really felt the difference, and it's, it's my. Fa- I mean, I liked all the elevates I tried, uh, and the Nova uh, was a while ago now, but I really felt like the V3 was. Uh, and we talked about that before when we went on air. Is that you make that slight improvement in in the feeling of of the frame? Like, it feels a bit more responsive somehow, you know. So, um, it had a really nice plush sensation when you hit the string bed, and felt very comfortable even with a poly, which I think in days of, of where players are complaining about arm pain and so on, I think it makes a lot of sense to try to find like a tech or, or you know, a feel that's good, but it's not, it's not going to be harsh, but it's not going to be too dampened either because there's a risk of you losing the ball, which is also, I mean, for anyone advanced, this is a bit of an issue. Yeah. And so, you know, the, it all starts with, you know, you got to come out with new models. You got to improve on, on the rackets, but at some point it be, get, it gets to the, the situation where it's like, how do you improve a racket that, you know, we feel is, is really targeting its market well. Um, and the thing that always comes back to us with like a control frame is how do you make it more comfortable without sacrificing power? Because you don't, like you said, you don't want it just dead to where it's just like, you know, you're hitting with a noodle. Um, and so this Craven gave us that opportunity and we kind of strategically placed it in just a few spots. It's in the throat, it's in the three and nine position on the hoop. And what the Craven is, is that it's a, it's a very thin rubber, um, that you can kind of put into the, the layers of the carbon fiber during the prepared process. So it's like, you know, you got your different carbon fiber layers as they're building it. And then you have the Craven in between, and then, you know, you have the resin, that resin is heated, you know, and then it hardens. And so it's not like there's rubber on the surface or inside, and it's just not really doing anything. It's actually within the layers. And so, uh, you know, they, you know, we have a, uh, I, I wish I had it with me. I don't, but there's a, uh, I, you might've seen it with other uh, technologies in the past in tennis, but there's like a uh, carbon fiber, like stick, and then you, 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 yeah, you yeah. flick it and it, you know, it, it obviously dampens very quickly. And so that's kind of what's happening with inside the frame. But what's really, really great about this is that we actually feel that even though the flex on some of the rackets are measuring, you know, there's a, a bit of a range. They're, they're always either spot on 
or like one low. So if it's supposed to be 64, it's 64, 63, somewhere in that range. Um, but it feels like it has more pop slightly. It's not like the, the, the ball's flying off. I don't know if you felt that at all or if, compared to the, the FS, but in most of our play testing, we, we felt very comfortable that it's either the same power or slightly better. And, um, and so we're not really sacrificing anything, but yet we're, we're getting a more comfortable frame. And uh, we kept the specs the same from the, the, the weight of the, the light, the, the, the mid and the tour with the, you know, three, 305 being the regular elevate. Um, the balance is the same and, and then the flex is the same. And so um, what did kind of slightly change and that might lead to a little bit more power is we did actually kind of increase the size of the, the protective bumper here just to kind of cover the edge a little bit because we noticed, you know, kids, especially you start scraping over time as you're digging out those low volleys. Um, and so it kind of protects a little bit more. And so it probably added, you know, a little bit of weight there. Didn't We didn't change the overall weight of the, the racket, but it's just maybe dispersed a little bit. And the, the, so it, what happens is, is the swing weight went up slightly a couple points yeah which i which i think is a good move i think the yeah. on these types of control rackets you you want to get the swing weight i think like strong around at least 320 and then maybe slightly right. more than that you know up, yeah, up towards and I think 330 that's about what it would be yeah yeah it yeah. would probably be about strong depending on the string of course would be about 320 um, yeah so. i think that's great because that allows room for adding some weight if you want but it's still maneuverable enough that you can play it in stock form which i think is yep. Some people, they don't like to dabble in customization. They just want like a ready to play racket. And then, you know, you, it, it's good that they can just get it. Because if you get like a 310, if you were 315, then if you're in a vault play, you will feel a little bit of a difference in, in this testability and maybe power level. I also felt like the power was, was slightly higher with this one. Uh, okay, a, cool. a, a bit, not like it's a control frame. Yeah, no, it's a, you, you, a most people aren't even going to probably notice. Um, but just we we just didn't want to sacrifice power. We you know of course we love a more comfortable racket. We didn't want to be like okay, it's more comfortable, but the ball is going on the service line every single time. So um, you know we're we're really happy with that. We're happy with the way it looks. Um, we're happy with the way it plays, and uh, it's just now about continuing to get it into more people's hands, and uh, that's that's our plan. Yeah, no, that that's where the challenge is. I mean, but if you have a product that you're proud of and you that you when you play with yourself, I mean, you're a good player, so you you can be proud of the product and you can say, hey, okay, this is a good playing racket. So it's not like you're trying to you know sell a dead horse. You know, it's it's like this is actually a, a racket that that you can feel that delivers what you say it does. Which which I think you know I'm a big honesty guy, so I always believe like if you have if you sell something you honestly believe in, it's so much easier. You know, you you can just go <laughs> and try to find the best strategy. Yeah, yeah, I've never. I never considered myself a sales guy. I think, you know, learn a lot about sales as you start a business and get it out there and talk to, you know, thousands and thousands of people. But to me, when, when we hired our sales team and we, you know, bring new people on, it's, it's very easy product, a very easy brand to sell because we're not really selling. We're just explaining the product. We're telling them what it is and, you know, it sells itself because it does what we say it's doing because that's the way we developed it right we're not trying to like you said a dead horse that i always like envision like selling a pencil that broke after three after three words you write like there's people that are such good salespeople that they could sell that pencil yeah but i don't know how they i, I don't know how they like not live with themselves i don't know how they do it because at the end of the day i want to sell a product that makes people happy I want to sell a product that makes them better. I mean, that's our goal with tennis. I mean, that's that's the ultimate goal. If we can make them better, they're going to be customers for life. They're going to keep coming back. So 
we believe in, you know, good product, good service, you know, and so we, we love talking to all of our customers, no customers too small for us. We have people call us and I'll be on the phone for 30 minutes. I got so many things to do. I'll be on the phone for 30 minutes just to like talk about the Nova racket and if it's good for their daughter or whatever. And, uh, you know, those, those kind of go a long ways because you know that that person's going to tell in the, in the day and age we live in, they're going to write a review. They're going to tell their friends and word of mouth has been a huge part of our growth. Um, we're not sponsoring, you know, the major top players. We're not in, uh, you know, tennis magazine and spending a bunch of money on TV ads. We're just putting our money into research and development, getting good product, of course, sponsoring as many juniors as we can. We'd rather sponsor a hundred juniors, um, and, and help that growth than to give again, one of my taglines to give a million dollars to a millionaire, you know, sponsoring the number 20 guy in the world who's making, you know, tens of millions perhaps um, to give him a million dollars to say, Hey, I like this racket. And then, you know, like a lot of the brands do paint a racket that isn't the racket and all that stuff. Of course we know, we know that game. And so we just, we just want to get our product out there in, in more of a natural way. And uh, it's, it's working. Um, and so we're excited to see what this year, next year um, and, and, and how we continue to grow. Yeah. I think that that's, that's nice to hear. I think that's a, it's a more genuine and also, I think long term, a better approach, because like if you pay a top 20 player, partly you don't know if he or she would be top 20 next year. Right. I mean, uh, tennis is tough. Oh, like yeah, you can get risk. an injury that's pretty brutal and you drop the ra- rankings and, and suddenly your your investment is like an NFT. You know, <laughs> it's it's gone up yeah. in smoke. Right. So uh, I think it makes sense to to start like you know, there some players will break through. So if you start like a junior level, talented players the brand will be seen also in clubs everywhere, not only on like the, you know, top ATP courts or whatever. So I think it makes, makes a lot of sense uh, from a financial and also from like a kind of grassroots. Yeah. Risk, risk management a little bit. Right. I mean, we don't, we don't have, you know, a hundred million dollar marketing budget, like say Nike to, you know, that we got to spend, otherwise we're under budget. Um, We're, we're making, you know, conscious decisions, each, each thing that we do. And the, the priority is, is just growth. Of course, even we have struggled. I mean, not, not to toot our own horn at all, but we've struggled with the growth. Sometimes the, at stages, it's been so fast, it's, it's hard to keep up. You know, It's hard to have the supply chain during COVID and all that to be able to get the product to supply. So one thing I tell people all the time, if they try to convince me that we should put an ad in Tennis Magazine or to do this and it would increase your sales, is like at times, at we, we actually physically couldn't increase the sales more we wouldn't have any product to sell like especially during balls shortages you know like i can't give away free balls to help grow the brand we don't have any balls to give away i got to keep it for our customers that are paying and and all that so you know it's it's a lot of strategy involved with taking a brand from literally my garage to to where we are and where we want to go um and part of that is a lot of grassroots you know you know getting it directly into young juniors uh getting it directly into just the average club players hands don't don't get to them through a magazine ad that tries to convince them that this is the greatest thing but just try it try the product and tell us what you think yeah no, i i agree i think that makes a little sense i think from from all angles uh saying that do you i think you have one somewhat famous up-and-coming player like is is it sasha saskia what's yeah. her name yeah we 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 just signed Sh- uh sasha vickery so she's you know it's cool she's local player so that helps because you know we were on court with her 
a decent amount during the transition period, during the testing period, Dustin was out there customizing the sticks, making it, you know, it's like you're like we do with our juniors and like probably Wilson does with Roger Federer. We're treating everybody that comes in like a pro player when they're getting that customization. And it's a, it's a pretty fun experience. And, uh, she had a, you know, a real strong reaction to the Nova racket. I think she was using Technofiber before, although I'm not exactly sure. I think she'd switched around a bit. She's a great player. I mean, she was a top junior. She was 70, 80 in the world. WTA had some injuries. You, you know, the story. I mean, from 70, 80, you know, you have a good result. Maybe you're 40. You get injured, you're 180. And so right now she's 180. Um, and she was in the qualities of Australian, had uh, two good wins. And then I, you know, had to retire uh, last round of qualies, um, uh, last night. Our oh, shit, so it's rough. Yeah. So, um, and then, um, we have Tyra black that we just signed as well. She was top five in juniors. Um, she's about 400 now. Um, also using the Nova, uh, she's making a comeback or really she just got slowed a little bit during COVID couldn't travel. That was like when she was supposed to enter the, the pro scene, your top junior, getting the wild cards. Uh, she, she didn't get to take advantage of that of that as much so um and then we have kp panu who just played his uh, first round in new zealand uh lost to gasquet but i mean for us it was pretty cool i mean he's he's all decked out in the apparel got the new elevate v3 playing stadium court night match tennis channel they replayed it tennis channel the next morning so you got diadem everywhere so um we're definitely definitely getting out there and then we have actually a couple other players a couple guys that are right around that 100 mark that we're just trying to finalize a deal so I'm not going to mention any names but I'm pretty confident this year this after we couldn't get them before the Australian Open they're there in the quali so when they're coming back um again local guys um I actually used to coach a, a decent amount of good players so I still have uh you know some some contacts I have some players that I used to coach like we just signed a uh a pickleball pro um, who's a great player was tennis, a kid that I coached for, you know, eight years. And now he's just a stud in pickleball, you know? So, um, it, it, you know, it's good for us to have that connection. Um, you know, relationships matter a lot. Um, it's, it's just way more difficult to convince a pro player to make a switch than it is to convince you because you'll, you'll try it. You'll spend a couple hundred bucks to try a racket yeah, yeah. Um, to, to, to have someone change their their whole strategy of what they're going to be using and is this going to be good for my game is it going to affect my game it's a little bit easier probably to get someone to to, to use our apparel hey i'll pay you to use our apparel you know what this t-shirt or that t-shirt but to use the equipment the racket the strings that's a big commitment and so um you know it, it really hasn't been something we focused on until this off season and we kind of got the players that we were going after um so we're excited to continue to grow that um and and you know get more tour players. Of course, it's not going to be a huge model for us. We're not, we're not going to get the number one guy today, but we might get a guy who's 11, 12, 20, whatever, um, age wise, who ends up being a great player. And they'll be using diadem along the way because we took care of them when they were younger and we keep that relationship going. Yeah. And I think like, that's, I mean, like you said, it's so tough to get a, a pro that's, in the middle of his career to change, right? That that is like a huge. I mean, sometimes I'm I'm, you know, that was one thing that's exciting to follow because if you have a guy like Tommy Paul, went from his Wilson Blade, like he's been playing it all of his career pretty much, and then he now goes to V Core Yonex, and it's a very different frame. It's not like their their like blade. It's it's a spinny yeah. frame like with lots of more power. So 
you know, at the, depends. And then you might see like good results and then maybe he has a rough patch and then he starts down in the racket. So it's like, <laughs> it's a head game then. You, you know? got it down. You, you know exactly how it goes. I mean, we've had that in the past. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, you, you would do it too. I would do it also. I mean, if yeah. I, if I switch to a racket and then all of a sudden I feel like I'm not hitting the shot that I usually hit and, you know, I don't want to try to adjust that mid match, mid tournament, mid season. I mean, you really got, you got that short window in the off season. Again, the good thing for us is you go over to Everett tennis Academy, which is 15 minutes from where we are. That's where Tommy Paul was training. That's where Tiafo was training. That's where literally probably 15 top 80 guys were training in the off season. So it's a real good, real good hub where a lot of pros are coming in, in the off season. But it's a short window, man. I mean, you got three weeks to, you know, you got to be talking to them ahead of time. You got to have their interest peaked and uh, you, you got to be able to present them something that they're interested in. And uh, with rackets, you never know. You never know what they're going to go with. You don't know if they want to make a change. And so, yeah, what you're left with is really like beginning guys entering the the pro tour, maybe guys that had a great college career that now, hey, you throw them a little bit of money or you throw them some support or you get them the racket they need. Um, and they're willing to make the switch or guys at the end of their career that are just trying to like, Hey, give me this and I'll use your racket for my last season. You know, and not really interested in those guys either because that, that's not really our brand. So. No, and it doesn't make much sense to get a guy on the way out. Like you, I'd rather have a guy potentially on the way up than a guy like that's for sure on the way out, like has maybe two more years and uh, you still have to throw some money, you know? So it's not like, yeah. a, it's not like an easy one either, you know? Um, no, I, I know it's, it's fascinating that the pro life is so different from the, from the, you know, average consumer. And I think generally what I see, you know, with my demographic is that there's so many tennis enthusiasts and obviously pickleball enthusiasts within the level of, I would say, like, if you were talking NTRP, it's like 3.5, maybe to five. And that's a huge chunk. Like that's like the, the buying demographic It's like, that's a heavy, heavy base. So that's, in my opinion, the most important basis to cover as a racket brand. Like, because if you go for beginners, a beginner, you know, you can give them a frying pan and you can give them a little bit like it's, they obviously an easier racket will will make life easier, but to get those first strokes before they move on to a, to a real quotation mark racket, it's, it's not, it's not as specific, but once you get up to becoming a decent player and you start realizing that the racket makes a difference, the string makes a difference in the tension then that's a very important demographic. Like those guys would maybe open to trying, but then they don't want to change and they, you know, think they are pros, but they're not pros. And it's, it's like, a, that, that's an interesting, uh, I, I, I never realized there was such a strong interest in rackets before I, I started doing this more seriously. It's like quite fascinating. Yeah, well, it's a big part of the game. Obviously, it's the only part of the game. So, you know, tennis is just like you and I, a very competitive thing and you know if you can get a little bit of benefit from switching a racket a string uh you know attention um you know there's a lot of people out there in that three five to five oh range that are looking for that small competitive advantage um and uh you know at the end of the day of course you put that new string in the perfect tension and then you have a windy bad day and it's all out the window but uh, i think people are always searching for that that perfect combination and there's a lot of people tennis nerds that are always tweaking they'll never find the perfect racket for them um and that's fine i like those guys too but um yeah the beginner frames i mean that goes back even to like like i said selling a pencil that breaks after you use it three times i mean that our model is not to just get junk out there it's always been to try to 
create something that'll give someone that that performance competitive advantage all the way back to our first product, our solstice power string, which is that six uh, pointed star. Well, we were first thinking, you know, we wanted to get into the tennis business. Of course, everyone told us, you're crazy. What are you doing? You, you can't do <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and, and, and with Polly's, I mean, Polly's had just blown up then, you know, we, we started this concept, this idea in 2011. Um, and it's like, you know, there's a million polys. What, what are you going to do? And, uh, but our initial thought was like, Hey, I mean, there's so many pros out there that we've been playing with future level guys, you know, uh, prize money tournament guys that are just looking for a cheap string because you got Luxon that's 250, you know, ba uh, Babylon RPM and Selinko had just kind of started, but nobody was really using it yet. And so we were thinking, Oh, let's make a, let's make a really good string cheaper and or or an okay string cheaper and it's just like then we decided you know what that's, that's how are we going to differentiate ourselves we're going to battle people on price like uh how about this how about we make the best string we feel like we can make and in that time we felt solstice power for spin which is what everyone you know nadal's out there ripping forehands off the court passing roger federer when he comes into the net at wimbledon like how is this possible we felt spin was really what we wanted to continue to focus on so we made the string for spin and, you know, we sell at competitive price. We're not the most expensive stuff. Um, you know, usually we're a little bit cheaper than all the major brands, um, but we're not a Walmart brand. We're not an Amazon brand. So that's what we went with. And that's kind of been our model ever since. Make high performance, competitive product that has some sort of competitive advantage. Pretty much everything we have does that. Um, and and let the let the consumer decide if if they agree with us. And most of the time, they do. They just have to try it. You know, they're, we're not getting them through through an article in a in a magazine. We're getting them through grassroots, which I've, I've mentioned a few times. No. And I think also it's like like I tell, you know, the people I talk to on a daily basis is that you need to test. Like, I mean, you can recommend like based on level footage, whatever player profile you can give hey, four rackets you should check out, you know, but then you need to test because such a personal it's like meeting a person, you know, you just like, yeah, I yeah. connect with this racket. Like I connect with this person. I connect with this string. Uh, it needs to work for you, you know, and it's hard sometimes to say, you know, just play with this. And then it's, that's the answer. You need to try within the, the range of your level and style. I think that's important when it comes to kind of developing products are strings more of a headache than rackets or vice versa. How did you find that process? Yeah, I think I think in the long run, rackets are are more difficult. There's a lot more that goes into it. Um, I think you know we we you know I like to say we got lucky a lot of the times. I think luck came through perseverance and effort and hard work and the amount of effort that that we've put into this has has led to luck. But like with the rackets, we got an that's when we brought on an amazing sourcing team. And the story behind how I got this sourcing team is so many levels and so many connections. And I, if one thing would have went wrong, we never would have been there. And we never would have been in a, what we call a grade A factory where we're making rackets side by side with all the, the big brands. We'd be, you know, in some little crappy factory that makes crappy rackets that end up going to Walmart. And we'd be trying to sell those to the general public and it wouldn't have worked. So um, we had a lot of support with the rackets where you know a lot of the the technology the the details the the layup all that stuff we were able to just offer guidance based on what we what we needed what we felt what we what we were trying to achieve and what our feedback was at each iteration of the samples um and so you know it made it easier but in general the the creating a racket from 
nothing from the, you know, we created the mold, the, the layup, the, the materials used, the technology used, and then of course the cosmetics and all that stuff. Um, it was quite a process. The string, um, you know, was a little bit longer of a process because we went from 2011 to 2015 developing it, but that's also because we didn't really have a business. We were coaching on the side. We were working middle of the night. I was you know, flying to Taiwan, Germany. We were testing in Germany. We were testing in Taiwan. We were testing in Japan, uh, trying to find the right factory that could, that could produce the stuff for us from you know, no knowledge in this. I didn't come from this business. We, we just kind of went into this business with my background in aerospace engineering and, and business. And, and my partner's background in a very good tennis player, you know, they, you know, and I, I was decent at tennis. I mean, he beat me in the only set we played, beat me seven, six. I had a set point, hit an ace. I mean, he'll tell you about it all day long, but it was still close. Um, but he was very good. And so we were able to develop the product through really guess and check almost, you know, it was like a constant back and forth testing, you know, hundreds of iterations of that that solstice power string, uh, you know, some of the kids again, cause I'm very competitive kids. I was coaching in the beginning. They were like, you know, they would like to like poke me, ah, oh, this string, this string sucks, whatever, like early on. Um, or you got lucky. And then it was like, oh, you got lucky and, and got a lucky string. I'm like, no, we went through literally hundreds of variations. This was the best of hundreds. Um, and you know, then you go into the marketing side of it, but the development, um, is, is definitely difficult, but we had a good support team to kind of help that process. Yeah. I think that's always what you need. And then, and, and, you know, you need the passion to do that because going through hundreds of strings, I mean, you have, first you have to be a player to understand whether this is you know yeah. feasible. You can obviously have players that you pay to do it, but it's obviously more fun to do it yourself. And yeah, then and you need, you need to have the passion to do it because I mean, at some point after 50 iterations, you want to give up or just pick the best one. So you need to keep, yeah, exactly chugging along yeah you it would have been easy to just pick one of them uh, along the way and you know maybe it would have been fine but probably not but the 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 the, the having you know and and of course we get feedback from people especially now that we have a, a wide base of you know team members like team diadem coaches juniors so we love getting feedback but it's always kind of been um just taken with with the the feedback that we got ourselves because we're still out there testing the rackets testing the string testing the the balls the product whatever it is because um if we give it to you know you and you, you're probably one of the best at it but even if i gave it to you you'd give me feedback based on how it feels to you but are you giving me feedback on how a 12 year old girl who's you know four four foot seven inches is going to feel so we always have to have to kind of tweak it to be for the target or the masses. And, um, you know, so it can't be like, Hey, this, this, this tennis ball is, is what the pros are using because we had uh, three top hundred pros use it and they love it. Well, what about the old lady that's playing on clay? That's just getting fed balls out of a ball machine. You know, we got to make a ball for it. So there's like all these factors. And then of course, how are you going to market it? How are you going to sell it? You know, what's the story behind it? What color is it going to be? Do you, you, you like blue, but you know, like we went with blue on this rack, you know, a beautiful blue with, translucent blue paint and underneath it's metallic paint kind of shining through right and um that was a big change from our teal teal is our brand but there is a significant amount of players that said i will not use your racket because it's teal i don't huh? not ever <laughs> gonna use i'm not gonna i'm not gonna use teal and i i get it i you know it was frustrating um but i get it um that the way something looks is important to people and um you know blue red 
green. These are like staple colors that, you know, maybe you don't, maybe blue isn't your favorite color. You're not wearing blue. I don't see any blue in, in the room behind you, but I'm sure you'd be okay with something blue. Like you're not going to say I'm not using blue. Um, but teal, there are some, some dudes mostly out there that are like, I'm not using teal. And for us, it's our brand. And so we'll have accents of it, but I agree not every product we make needs to be teal, right? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. So, um, you know, just keeping all those things in mind and, if I give it to three pros to give me feedback, I mean, every one of them is going to be different. So I, you got to take everything with a grain of salt almost. Yeah. The, the cosmetic thing is interesting because I, I, you know, I'm having tested like hundreds and hundreds of rackets, strings and whatnot. For me, it's all about like how it plays. It doesn't matter if it's pink or yeah. if it's brown. Yeah. I don't care really. Like, honestly, I don't, I don't care that much, but when you talk to consumers and I talk to all levels, like beginners to ATP pros, some, some like they, the cosmetic matters so much. Like, you know, the ATP pros, they obviously need to play well as well. But even them can be like, you know, hey, I don't like this. This is white on the size. I can't play with that. This disturbs my eyes. You know, this is like, yeah. even if it's made up in the head, you know, whatever. But, but it's just like a, such a strong opinion or this, this shape of the racket doesn't look right. It looks off, you know, it's not yeah. teardrop shaped or whatever. Uh, so I find that very fascinating. And now you've seen a trend in the industry which I'm not sure is great, but it's like, it's very cosmetically driven. It's like, we didn't change the racket. We, this is just a new cosmetic and you're paying, you know, a hundred bucks more, you know, for a different paint on the racket. And you feel like, okay, you know, but it's what the consumer wants maybe. So it's, it's. Uh... Yeah. And I mean, I think that's just uh, probably the tennis market, um, tennis, you know, brands learning from stuff outside of there. I mean, whether it's the Apple iPhone that finally unveils a green iPhone or you get cars that year to year, you know, they institute new, new colors um, and, and minor, minor changes to the actual vehicle. Um, you know, I think what happened was because the, the technology of rackets kind of reached somewhat of a, a peak where, you know, going from the wood to the metal, to the carbon fiber and all that stuff, like there was rapid advancement, you know, year over year, just like we're seeing in pickleball, I think from, you know, you could say, I don't know, 2005 to 2015, you know, how much did a racket change? How much did Wilson put into the next racket? And so the sales of rackets, along with other factors, started to slow down where people are not changing a racket every three years. Now it's five, now it's seven. I mean, we talked to all people that have had the same racket for 15 years. So it's all about how do I get the same number of players, because it wasn't growing, well, tennis wasn't growing like crazy five years ago. Um, how do I get the same number of players to buy more rackets? Uh, you got to probably easiest ways to change the color, you know? So that's, that's, that's one marketing strategy. Um, I think now there's definitely more players entering the market. So that's a great way to sell more rackets. If I got to increase my sales from a thousand to 2000, well, I got a thousand more players I can just talk to. Um, but I think, the technology in rackets, you know, has been very good for a, a very long time. So it's it's just minor little tweaks now. How, how do I get a little more softness? Not how do I, you know, go from an 85 square inch? Oh, well, what if we tried 100 square inch? I mean, that changed the game going to the oversized racket, right? So, um, you know, now it's just tiny little adjustments. And then it goes down to marketing, price, look, all that. I mean, so many factors. So that, that's what's fun about it. Do you see like a trend where um, rackets will be changing in like the coming 10, 15 years? Will will the, will players even on the pro level be going towards bigger head sizes or do you think we will stay in the same-ish category we are now? 
Yeah, I would say, you know, that's a great question. I mean, if you know the answer, please tell me so I can, I can, uh, the right answer and I can make sure we do it. I, I think that the 9,800 square inch frame is, has kind of really settled down to be the prototypical frame, just like 27 inches is the average normal, you know, standard length. Um, you know, the trend has been definitely smaller grip sizes over the last 10 years. Um, I think, you know, it's not going to continue forever. It's not going to go to a zero. I think grip size one, two, I mean, those are going to be more popular nowadays than threes and fours. Uh, we, we hardly sell any grip fours. Um, and the ones that are, are the, the coaches that are 55, 60 years old that were trained like that. And that was partly because of the way they hold the racket and more of a continental or Eastern grip compared to the Western where, you know, a grip size two is like a grip size three if you, you know, because they're, they're not round. Right. Um, I think in terms of the technology, I mean, what are people looking for? I mean, spin is still a, a major factor. Um, I think comfort is a huge factor because like you've noticed, poly strings became the dominating, you know, string choice because of what they can give you. But of course there's ramifications, not as bad as the ramifications of Kevlar, like that happened to my shoulder when I, you know, I had to, I had to switch to Kevlar when I was a kid because I was breaking strings. They're like, oh, well, this won't break. And obviously it also messes up your arm. But um, I, I think, I think comfort is going to be a, a, a big factor. Um, and I think what you may start to see, and, and I, you know, trying to think of the right word, but maybe some, some cool, unique stuff, not gimmicky isn't the right word not gimmicky but something where there's some sort of you know special feature that like you know is almost like when you get into a car and all of a sudden you can see a heads-up display like nobody would have thought of having the display on the windshield you know 15 20 years ago so what kind of cool feature can you put in i mean i know they did the where they had the um i forget babylon somebody did it where they had the technology like in the butt cap where you could measure your swing and all that, or, you know, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it, it, it was a sensor. I think it was sensor, yeah. had something and had bought it. And then, but Bubble had some pop technology as well. They, they all yeah. tried something, right? The Bubble Play. Yeah, and I mean, those, you know, that type of stuff probably isn't going to succeed because, it, you, like you said, it's a legacy. It's a country club sport. They, you know, it's got to be classic, but I think you could, you know, maybe throw something fun and exciting that, you know, the average consumer would be super excited about and maybe not the pro player the pro players are you know most of the pro players are using you know pro models anyways painted so they're they're sticking with what has been around for 20 years um but yeah i think the future is a little bit unknown um you know i i, I think it's i think it could be up to us to decide that because we're a little more nimble maybe than a big brand maybe they have more money in research and development but you know taking a risk on something like that you know, I don't know if that's something they're willing to do. Um, I think for us, taking a risk could could be a big reward, huge reward. So, you know, I guess yeah. And when I talk to um, to bigger brands as well, I mean, I think the some of the issues are because yeah, you have a big operation and you have people um, pushing sales, marketing, you know, coming from all angles, and sometimes that goes at the cost of of like innovation. So you you have like okay, what what's working in sales? Like new cosmetics. We have to release rackets faster. So, you know, we have a two-year cycle or a three-year cycle. Can we cut that to, you know, a one-year-and-a-half cycle or a one-year cycle? Like, you would just keep up the tempo so you have more stuff to talk about, you know, and that's and sell. Uh, so that's something you've seen, and it's not like – I don't think that's 
products helping the product. I think that's not making better rackets. Uh, I would rather as some kind of old school guy or would just feel like put that extra time into innovation, reduce the number of racket lines, you know, because I think like like we we're talking about before, like three racket lines makes a lot of sense where you have like spin power control, right? That that's that's pretty much where you want. You don't need more than that. Okay, if you want to have a funky comfort line for for players with severe right. tennis elbow, sure, you know, but but generally like having relatively comfortable frames in those categories. And as I, you know, usually tell people, like if you have bad elbow or something that's that's quite semi-serious, you should either like obviously go to the physio or the osteopath or whatever. But you should use a multi or a synthetic gut for for so for time being. You know that's the easiest way to approach it. You know, stop the police for a while, right? See what happens. Being as a smaller player gives you a bit more room to, if you're up for it, to take some risks. You know, and and hopefully mitigate those with with your business model. Yeah, no, we're 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 excited to to do that. I mean, we're like I said about innovation. We've had some crazy ideas. I've 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 tried and tested a lot of stuff. Um, you know, at the end of the day, our rackets that we have now are pretty standard um, with our own technology in them. But uh, I would love to to come out with something that can potentially change the game. Of course, I think part of that is getting to that, getting to that point where our reach is big enough to where if I came out with, say, two, three years ago, something that just like was unbelievable, the best racket anyone's ever played with. And like, you know, that's difficult because it's there's no perfect racket. But if I did, I mean, our customer base was tiny. You know, you, you flash forward maybe a couple more years. And if, you know, we have a good reach, we're, we're doing very well in Europe with our base there in Germany, Japan, we have an awesome distributor, um, South America, we're very strong. Uh, so the, it, once we get known as, you know, a top brand, top seven, top five brand is our goal, you know, then you can kind of throw in some stuff that could really pique people's interest because you have that, that views, you have the reach and in, in that you, you can move the needle enough by, you know, introducing something and selling 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 units right away. Yeah, that's 100% true. Uh, another question I wanted to put, like, what do you self, what do you play with when you're, you, you're playing tennis a few times a week, I understand, or not? Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm playing tennis and pickleballs, but yeah, I, uh, I'm using the Elevate. I've always used the Elevate. I mean, I sort of designed the Elevate for, for me in a way, but from my type of player, I, I don't need power. Um, I, you know, I'm not blowing people off by, off the court with power, you know, unless I'm playing somebody below my level, which sometimes happens when you do some pro-ams and stuff or whatever. But um, it, when I was playing, I, I want, I'm lefty. So I have a huge advantage, you know, built in that, uh, thank God uh, my parents gave me, but um, I, uh, I, I'm winning with spin off the court precision. I, I love to come into the net. I, I serve in volley even sometimes. Uh, I, I was more of a doubles player. I, when I went out to play futures, my whole concept was, doubles because i was I, I had some good success in college with doubles um but then i found out you can't just get into doubles you gotta go through qualies in in singles and get a ranking and then play with and it was you know it was difficult so i did ended up doing a lot of singles and got away from doubles but um definitely slice backhand I mean, my backhand sucks so you know i'm slicing the backhand so um which is pretty nasty and with the elevate and and the control that i get you know it's it's always been my racket since uh, since we made it you use the tour or the regular weight and you customize it? Oh, regular, regular. Yeah. I actually, I don't really like it heavy because I'm, I'm kind of whippy, you know, so mm. I don't need the plow. I'm more of like whip. So, um, yeah, I've always used kind of a lighter racket, you know, 300 gram, three, 300 to 310, somewhere in there. Um, and, and to be honest, like up until I played 
you know, in the future, like when I was in juniors college, I didn't even know about customers. I had no clue about customization, no clue about anything. Um, I just had three, four rackets at a time. I would break one or two every other month because I had an anger issue back then. And some could say, maybe <laughs> I still, think it's if tennis, I lose, <laughs> yeah, it's tennis. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I didn't know. And that's, that was one of the, the awesome things to kind of dive into and understand like, you know, where I could have been, what I could have done if I would have been just a, a little bit more informed. And as I got into the coaching, you know, that became a priority, like those types of things. I mean, obviously my fitness didn't think about fitness when I was younger. I mean, I, you know, I kind of fell into because of my, the school that I went to for actual school, I fell into a really good program, but I got a lot better in college and after college. I mean, after college, I was, I mean, my coach probably would have loved to have me two years after I graduated because I was better then than what I was in college. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I tried to really work on that with, with students that I worked with as well as the equipment. And then now into diadem, um, focusing on optimizing like I mentioned to you, you know, you're waking up early to train, you're eating the right stuff, but you have rackets that aren't suited for you. That just doesn't make any sense. No, it's a holistic uh, point of view. And I think that's, I mean, tennis, even on the pro level, like I'm back in the seventies, they used to snort Coke and then play a grand slam <clears throat> match, you know, you so go. things have changed, you know, it's just like, nor, nor or have they, are, are you sure they're not doing that? Still? No, I'm not, not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just floating that idea. Well, at least yeah. there's a lot more attention to like, you know, you have the best guys, yeah. they have like a fitness trainer, they have a mental trainer, they have like a, you know, nutrition person to to help them with the nutrition, get them optimal meals, fuel, and then obviously they have some racket expert, uh, not maybe always traveling, but but in some cases, yes. So yeah, there's more and more like a Formula One approach, like it's a team yep. Team based. Yeah, and I think with, that's with all pros. sports. I mean, I think it's, it's pretty widely reported, like uh, LeBron James, he spends a million dollars a year on his body, you know, he's got the the food, the food, the chef, you know, and then he's his fitness and stuff like that. And that's why at 30, I mean, Tom Brady, I'm sure very similar, but you know, at 39 and Roger Federer, Djokovic, these guys, I mean, we're, we're playing now until our late thirties um, or, or, you know, some into their forties. Whereas you used to be, you hit 30, man. I mean, that was it. You know, you're like on the downslope. You're not winning slams after that. Was, that was like a stat they used to show how many slams won after 30. Now, nobody's really going to be talking about that. Maybe after 40, that'll be the new the new account. Um, so yeah, all that stuff's important and, uh, you know, the, the equipment is part of it. Yeah. And then relating to equipment, then one of the, the last questions here is, uh, do, um, do you custom, like if you uh, want matched rackets, let's say you have a, a, a strong pre- player who wants like three matched, uh, elevates or elevate tours. What, what do you do that or? What, yeah. What, oh yeah. Right? Yeah. We do that. I mean, it's more, right now it's more of a, a, as needed basis, people like message us. We really want to, we, we have a stringing on our website. We have a, uh, a, a cool feature. You can add stringing, right? So it has all the, the information that you need, your mains, your crosses. And so we're actually, the plan was, and, and we've been wanting to do it for a while. And now our software can do it to build out a customization. You know, where do you want, you know, do you want the weight? What do you want the balance? All that stuff that we could tweak it. Cause there's, you know, the tennis nerds that are into that. Um, but definitely racket matching. We've done that many times. Um, what's been great is, very easy for us because they're pretty much very similar. I mean, that's like Dustin was just telling me the other day that he loves um, how easy it is to customize our rackets because they're, you know, you're not trying to get something so far away and bring them together. Um, There's been a lot of instances where people buy a racket January and then they buy a racket from a store in October and they tell us how great, how similar they are, you know, how basically spot on the specs are. And that's, partly because we're doing smaller batches we're not buying 
10,000 at the same time. We're not using multiple factories for our rackets. That's the other big thing. I mean, Wilson will be in three, four rack, uh, racket factories making the blade. So you might be getting a blade from this factory. You might be getting a blade from that factory. There's no way that they're going to be as similar as all coming off the same production line at the same time by the same people at the same factory. Um, and then part of it is that's a big focus of ours is to make sure that our rackets are within spec. Um, we do a ton of QC. We have the QC over there in the factory. And then we, of course we have Dustin here. I mean, when we were, we were going through for pro players in this off season with the new elevate V threes, I mean, we went through dozens and dozens of boxes of 20 and just kind of organizing them and preparing them. And again, it was very easy because they were all quite similar. Um, but if you're, if you need the exact spec, no difference, we do that and we don't charge for it. I mean, we, we, you know, obviously it takes some time, takes some manpower, takes some money, but we would love to get someone that perfect frame and we're not going to make them pay extra to do it. We want to give them that service. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes like putting a, an investment into the consumer creates like a ripple effect. Like they're talking about it. They're like, I'm super happy. Uh, you never know like if there's someone with some following or whatever, you know, so, so there's actually yep. a benefit to putting in that extra little bit of attention. I think you usually get it back in the end anyway, right? hundred percent you do. Yeah. And, um, and I think that if you look online, if you do search up diadem and, and that you'll see stuff on forums about how accurate our, our specs are. And that's something that we've, we've definitely monitored and made sure. And if, I mean, of course there, there could be one out of spec. We've seen that before and we replaced it. I mean, there was a guy like before we even had our team in Europe. So we were shipping from the U S to Europe. It was somebody in like Croatia got a racket that was like, you know, eight grams off or whatever. And, um, you know, he was a, a real tennis nerd and he bought a lot of frames from us. And, you know, it's like, okay, I mean, mistakes happen. Here's another racket. We shipped it out to him because we don't want to be like, well, that's how it is. Sorry. It's, it's on you. We, 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 we expect our frames to be very, very similar every, every single time. Yeah. It's been my experience as well. Like I, I always check every, every spec and every racket I get. So for reviewing, so I, I, I must say it's, it's thumbs up and it's also been one of my pet peeves because I, as a reviewer can get rackets um, from mainstream brands or smaller brands sometimes that are like so off, like it's, it's a completely different racket. Like, so it's, it's very hard for me then to give a good assessment in terms of how it plays for other people since my was like 340 swing weight. And that's not what most people get. And that's not what the listed average on tennis warehouse or whatever is either. So it becomes a, a tricky job But then, you know, I have to like start the review by saying, Hey, this, this racket was completely mm -hmm. off spec. And that's not, not what I want to do, but otherwise I can't really give an honest review. Right. So I, I have to do yeah. it. Yeah, no, it's true. And that's, that's, that's the world that we've become as well since, you know, I think it started with the tennis for us, it started with tennis warehouse forums where people, tennis nerds are in there talking that again, back when I was playing juniors, I had no way to test anything. I mean, it is what it is. I don't even, I don't know anything. Um, now, you know, we demand, uh, quality as we should for the price. I mean, maybe back then too, my rack was 120 bucks. Now it's, you know, some racks are 270, you know, over 300. So if you're, if we're charging that, then it better be what it says it is. And if it's not, then totally get it. We should replace it. Yeah, that's great. I like that uh, philosophy. So we're looking into the crystal ball. Like my, my last question here is um, like, where do you see Diadem in, in five years? What's, what's on the big plan board over there in your headquarters? Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely have big goals. Um, you know, pickleball is kind of changed kind of where we're heading a little bit just because we are putting a, a good amount of focus into pickleball in the United States. And that's super exciting. Um, 
but in in the tennis world is is still our bread and butter and that's where we're we can go global you know with our distributors in like i mentioned south america asia uh, europe um so that's a big focus for us our goal has always been to be the, the first goal that we've set out was to be a top 10 brand and then to be a top five brand so i think in five years a top five brand would be our goal now of course who are you kicking out of the top five for us to say that and you know it's 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 a difficult question to kind of even quantify because what does that mean does that mean racket sales does that mean brand awareness does that mean rackets you see out on a court and that's a difficult way to quantify because if i go out to a court you know somebody might have bought that dunlop 15 years ago it doesn't mean that that Dunlop is a top brand and selling right now because someone bought it or a vocal bought it 15 years ago. Um, and so, you know, in that year, five years from now, we want to be where people recognize us, whether it be through sales, whether it be through what they see on the court when they go out to a recreational game, whether they go out and watch a pro match or go out to a junior tournament. Um, we want to be seen as a top five brand to where people know they can trust us. They see us. They associate us with tennis. There's too many people in the world that you say diadem and they go, huh? What? How do you say? What is that? And um, that was every single phone call I made when we first started. Like, who are you? I had to I had to spell the name. I had to do everything. I was like, let me just send you some stuff. And uh, in the U.S., I would say you go out to any facility and you ask a few people, have you heard of diadem? They'll have heard of it. Will they have tried it? I, I don't know. Uh, probably not. Um, but they'll have heard of it. Um, and then there's a lot of regions in the in the world that will have never heard of it. So we want to be a top five brand. We want to have, you know, our new racket line, you know, of course, going and we'll be in that cycle every two to three years of the Elevate, the Nova, and then the new racket. Um, shoes is a huge thing we've been working on and we're really excited and plan in 2024 to launch our, our shoe. Um, it's going to be something similar to how we did our string, how we did our rackets, how we did our balls, where we we expect and hope people pick up that shoe, just like I think they pick up this racket for the first time and go, wow, this is actually really good. How, how have I never heard of this? How have I never seen this? Or, you know, what, where are these guys from? Or when did they start? You know, and ask those questions instead of, you know, we all used to pick up a, a string from a small brand or even rackets that you, you never heard of and go, what is this? This is, ah, this is horrible. And you put it down. So, I think the shoes are really going to shock people um, and uh, pickleball obviously will be a big part of it. Um, and, you know, pros, I think having, you know, some pros, it's, it's never going to be our main focus. We're not going to have, you know, the one, two, three men and women. We're just not. Um, but I think you'll see some really exciting players that we want to focus on. We want, you know, if Kyrgios was, was 17 right now, you know, that would be the guy we're going after 17 and, and unproven because we want that somebody that's going to kick the door down and say, I'm here, man. And we're, you know, I love Roger Federer and my favorite player, um, you know, but that isn't really our brand, you know, that cool, sleek, like, you know, Mr. Perfect, our brand is, Hey, we're here. We're new. We're exciting. We're tech driven. Uh, you know, give us a try. And, and the louder we are with that, I think the more views we're going to get. That's great. I wish you all the best. It was great talking to you, Evan. I, I really enjoyed it. I really got uh, was interested in the story of Diadem and and I tried all your, a lot of your products. So I and I really enjoy yeah. them. So um, I appreciate that. I appreciate the time. I appreciate you know. I think we. I don't remember the first time you tried our stuff, but it was it was when we you know you you were just giving us a chance. You know, like ah yeah. okay, I'll do it. You know, whatever. But 
and I know it was your brand to try to build up the, the reviews and stuff. So the more the merrier, but uh, you know, I always appreciate, appreciated that, that you did that with us and gave us a chance and uh, hopefully you and I and Diadem and, and we can all continue to grow and, and be bigger and better. That's great. That's a great start to 2023 uh, with yep. the time of the Australian Open and everything. Now, I really appreciate your time and the best of luck. I'll keep my eyes on Diadem. Review is to be out approximately when I publish this so people can check out the new Elevate version 3 review. Awesome. Very nice looking racket and playing racket. Uh, I must say also like a before we leave, like the kudos on the this kind of a velvety finish to it. It's like a really yeah. nice finish when you hold the racket, which is quite rare. Exactly. Yeah, we, we wanted that that nice feel. Uh, you know, you could call it satin paint, rubber paint, but uh, it, it's meant to be very comfortable. Um, you know, and you know everybody's holding the racket in some way. You know, and so um, we thought that that would be a nice little finish. Again, just trying to showcase, hey, we we can add some really high end features. Um, you know, whether that changes the way you play or not. I think some people will like the feel and we'll get really used to that and demand that. And so when they switch out of it, they go, oh, this racket feels weird. I want to go back to my my comfortable racket. So that was the idea. Great. All right, man. You have a nice day now. It's just starting over cool. there. And here it's yep. uh, slowly I'm winding down. <laughs> All right. I right, have a good one, man. Appreciate it. Take care, man. Ciao, ciao.